I was waiting for another one. Wasn't that beautiful? Cry out to Jesus. That's what we need to do. Amen. Amen. Well, saints of God, it's a blessing for me to be here tonight and to have the opportunity to preach the word of God. I uh, just had an opportunity to come back from a little vacation in Colorado visiting with my son and daughter-in-law and little seven-year-old granddaughter. So it was a blessing, tremendous. You can never get away that long unless you have some place to stay, you know? So fortunately, I have a son who has a place out there so I could stay for a while. So uh, pray that your kids grow up and have houses, live far away, and you can go visit them if they have a nice house. <laughs> so it was a blessing. And over there, I came across this guy traveling across the plains of uh, the mountains, I should say, of Colorado. Guy you might remember, a guy named Tom. You remember him? Used to play the guitar over here. So I got to spend uh, some time with him. We visited for a little while, went to a little guitar festival, had lunch together, and we sat and talked and just had a good time. He wanted me to send everybody his greetings, his love. Him and Cynthia are getting acclimated to Colorado. Seems like they're doing well, having a good time, and enjoying uh, beautiful Colorado. So uh, he sends his love. You guys remember him, right? <laughs> Amen. Unforgettable. He's still the same. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles or your iPads or your iPods or whatever you got, open it up to Joshua chapter 24. We'll get right into the Word of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. As I was over there, this particular scripture I'm going to be reading from and this uh, passage of, of scripture <clears throat> kept coming to my mind and to my heart. And as I began to read it, it ministered to me more and more, and I just continued to pray on it, meditate on it, uh, reading. I read uh, a lot about it, read different uh, commentaries, and it just ministered to me a lot. And so when uh, Pastor Jerry asked me to share this evening, this is what was in my heart and something. So this is a combination of what God was doing with me and sharing with me uh, over there when I was in Colorado. So I bring you a little bit of a taste of that here in Joshua 24. And it's even there on the screen. It says there in the NIV version, but starting with uh, verse 15, chapter 24, verse 15. Let's take a look at it. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for this divine opportunity. And I pray, dear God, as you have been ministering to us in, in music and so many other ways that we've been ministered to, I pray you just continue to penetrate our minds and our hearts with your word, O oh God. Open us up right now that we may receive from you and that we may be open 
to all that you have to share with us. We thank you, Lord. Speak. Your children are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're familiar with that passage. Matter of fact, we say it, right? Who asked for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. It's an interesting thing of what takes place here in Joshua chapter 24. And I would encourage you to take a look at it another time, if you haven't already. But in this chapter, Joshua, who we know took over the, the mission of taking care of the children of Israel after Moses had passed on, God took him home. He faithfully did what God had called him to do. And here at this point in his life, now he's an older man. And he convenes this great assembly. What's happening right here is he's speaking to all the children of Israel. As a matter of fact, in the beginning of chapter 24, it tells us that Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at a place called Shechem. And this place is an interesting place. It's a place where uh, is important and has a significant place in God's history, especially to the children of Israel. So he calls them to this place. It's in a valley, a big, beautiful valley that's enclosed by trees. It's in between two mountains where he gathered all the people. In one mountain, it's called Mount Gerizim. And the other mountain is Mount Ebal. And in the valley of Shechem is an ancient city. And in this area, in between these two mountains and up against the, the back of those mountains, in this valley, surrounded by trees, it created the effect of like a natural amphitheater. It was a big, beautiful place. Because remember, there was many, many thousands, if not a million people gathered. And Joshua calls them all together. He says, I want you all to come and come. He summons them, he said. I want all the elders to come up. I want the leaders to come up. I want the judges and all the officials of Israel. And I want you all to present yourselves, not to me, but I want you to present yourselves before God. And so there they are at Shechem. And I could just imagine, I, in, my, in my mind, I, my mind's eye, I pictured all these families and all of these people, all the tribes are gathering. And they're taking, you know, the, 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 the men and the women and, of course, their children. Everybody's coming to this valley and they're, they're on a journey. And really, it's a spiritual journey. And they're coming. What does the man of God want to say to us? What is our leader, Joshua, a man who's proven himself over and over and over again? What does he have to say at this stage in his life? Why is it so important that we come to this place? And the fathers are telling their children, we're going to this place called Shechem. And they knew about Shechem because Shechem was a significant place in their history. As a matter of fact, it was this very place, Shechem, where God first spoke to our spiritual forefather, their spiritual forefather, Abraham. And he said, this is the land I'm going to give you. This is the promised land. And 
generations of people are going to come from you. It's the very place where God spoke first to Abraham. And here they are, being able to be in that same place and wondering, what does God have for us? Where God spoke to Abraham 500 years beforehand. And here they are again, this ancient city. And as they're there, Joshua, in front of all the people in this beautiful amphitheater, with all the people assembled, he speaks to them a prophetic word. And you know, it's interesting, because when we think about Joshua, we don't necessarily think about him as a prophet. But yet in reality, he was. And God used him to usher prophetic words to the people on this very day. Joshua said in verse 2, To all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nabor, they lived beyond the river and they worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river, and I led him throughout Canaan. And I gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac. And to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau. But Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron. And I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there. And I brought you out. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them, and they covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians, and then you lived in the desert for a long time. So who's speaking here? Is this Joshua, or is this God? Well, God is using Joshua to speak a word to the people, and he's reminding them, that you didn't get here by accident. This didn't just all of a sudden happen. This beautiful land that you have now, this is now the fulfillment of the promise of God in their lives. God promised to them that they were going to be descendants of land that was going to be beautiful. In matter of fact, it was described as the land flowing with milk and honey. I don't know exactly what all that means, but I like the way it sounds. And so they are. They're there. And some of those individuals who are now adults remember because they were children when they were delivered from the hand of the Egyptians. And they're there. And they're being reminded, wow. You know what? It was tough in the wilderness. It was tough going through all of those things. And even when we came into this land, boy, we had to deal with all kinds of strange people. There was all kinds of people there. Matter of fact, he goes on to say in verse 8, he says, I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan, and they fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, some of Baor to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed 
he blessed you again and again and I delivered you out of his hand and then you crossed the Jordan and you came to Jericho and the citizens of Jericho fought against you as did also the Amorites the Perizzites the Canaanites the Hittites the Girgashites the Hivites and the Jebusites but I gave them into your hands I set the I sent the hornet ahead of you which drove them out before you and also the two Amorite kings you did not do it with your own sword and bow so I gave you a land I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build and you live in them and eat from vineyards olive groves that you did not plant as I was reading that I I think about all these people groups that were there. Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites, Israelites. Somehow that's the only group I still remember is the Israelites. Everybody else are gone. God said, I have my hand on you. You are my special people. You are my covenant people. I made a promise for you. I made a promise with you. I made a commitment to you. You are my children. You are my special ones. You are my segula, my special ones, my chosen ones. And I have my hand upon you. As a matter of fact, my spirit is sealed upon you. I don't know about all these other people. We don't hear about them anymore. And so he speaks this prophetic word. And he reminds them of who they are. A great people. Not because they're great in and of themselves. But they're great because God chose them. God selected them. God separated them. You are my special people. I made a covenant with you. And you with me. And he reminds them. And he encourages them. But he also challenges the people to serve the Lord. An amazing challenge that he, he gives them. And he reminds them of who they are. And he reminds them of the promise keeper that has put his seal upon their lives. And that you know what? They faced a lot of difficulties. They faced challenges. They faced problems. They faced trouble. It wasn't always easy going through the wilderness, dealing with all of these tribes of people that came against them. But God says, no, I have my hand upon you. I'm going to protect you from all danger, from all harm, and from all evil. I'm going to preserve you because I have a plan for you. And the salvation of the Lord is going to come from you and through you. The salvation of the Lord who would be the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of all mankind. I have a plan for you. And so he says in verse 14, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And that's where we see this verse. He says, but, but, 
If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river, which were nothing but idols. That's all they were. Man-made objects that people worshipped. Or he says, oh, you might want to worship the gods of the Amorites. And then he says this, he just kind of drops this in there. He says, uh, oh, you might want to worship the gods of the Amorites. Uh, by the way, you're living in their land that I gave you. You might think twice about wanting to worship those gods because I overpowered them. They're not that powerful. That's my commentary. But, he says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. What does it mean to serve the Lord? I mean, it's easy to say. Serve the Lord. I can say it. You can say it. But what does it really mean to serve the Lord? Well, it means to make God first in your lives. Make God first in your lives. It means to do what God wants you to do and get it done. Well, that's some deep theology right there, huh? Think about that. Do what God wants me to do and get it done. And you know, it's a daily calling, but it's also a life's mission, isn't it? But all of us know, and I'm not pretending to say that it's easy to do that. We know it's not an easy thing to do. There's a lot of challenges in life. Every day we're facing trials, temptations, Difficulties, difficult people. But just like the people of that day Joshua was speaking to that faced their challenges and their enemies and all of the things that came against them to serve God, the people wanted to walk away. They wanted to serve maybe a God that was seemingly easier to serve, just like us. So Joshua not only challenges the people of Israel, but the good news is that he also encourages them. And by encouraging them, he also in turn encourages us. Don't you need a word of encouragement? I know I do. So I want to share with you briefly, and I'm not going to take too much longer, four strategies that Joshua used and it's brilliant. Four simple but brilliant strategies that Joshua used to challenge but to also encourage the people so that they would maintain their spiritual passion, that they would stay on fire for God, that they would want to serve the Lord, and that they would be able to continue to serve the Lord no matter what comes their way. Four ways that can help them to avoid just merely settling down to just enjoying the blessings of God, which is easy to do. And to just be concerned about their own selves. So I want to share with you quickly these four things. 
Number one, the first thing that he does is he helps them to remember the promises or the covenant of God. That's number one. He brought them to Shechem, and he began, that's why I read you the whole thing. He wants them to remember who they are. He wants them to remember that God called them, that they were a special people, that God separated them. He brought them out of darkness. He brought them out of slavery, 400 years of Egyptian slavery. That's a long time. And he delivered them by performing wonders. Unbelievable. And he brings them to Shechem, and he reminds the people of what he's done. As a matter of fact, if you go back and you to read that part again, 17 different times he said, I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and I did that. You check it out right there. Go back. You can do it later. Here's your homework for tonight. Say, oh, he said 17 times. Let me see. He said 17 times. God did it. God did it. God did it. 17 times. So he reminds them who they are. See, if you and I are going to stay on the path of God, we have to remember who we are. And we have to remember whose we are. Remember that God has not called us just to save us, which is a wonderful thing. But he called us for a reason. He's got a reason. He's got a purpose. And he's got a mission for each and every one of our lives. And yes, you too. You too. Every single person that's called by his name. So if we are to move forward as a people of God, it will be as we refresh our hearts and we refresh our minds and be refreshed in our spirit in the unfailing love of God and to remember his promises and to remember his commitments to his people. When you're going through a trial, when you're going through difficulties, when it seems like the water is coming upon you, remember the promises of God. Remember God's faithfulness and remember that you are God's covenant people. When I was going through a very difficult time, in a very difficult stage of my walk with the Lord, I shared, and I was having a conversation with a man of God with great inspiration in my life. And as I began to tell him and shared with him, he simply told me a certain truth that has stayed with me and continues to stay with me. And he simply said, remember the covenant of God. That no matter what you're going through, no matter the difficulty, no matter that you don't see the fulfillment of the promise at the moment, you are God's covenant person. And when the greater one gives a promise, he is able to fulfill and keep that promise. The greater one. The promise is not based on my ability to hold on to it. It's based on his ability to fulfill it. He can fulfill that promise because he's God. He is almighty. He is all-powerful. There is nothing impossible for almighty God. Nothing impossible for him. Remember that, he says. Remember that. Refresh your mind. Refresh your heart. Know who you are. And know the God that has called you. One of the things that challenges us in continuing on our spiritual journey with God is that we don't stop often enough to reflect on God's faithfulness. He brought them all there, and he said, look it, in the valley of Shechem, 
The promise was made to Abraham, and you are the fulfillment of the promise that was given to God, God's people, 500 years ago. And the little kids looking up at their dad, yeah, that's right. That's right, mijo. That's right, mija. You're the fulfillment of the promise. God is faithful. Well, come on, somebody. God is faithful. God is faithful. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Woo, I don't know what's in between there. Yes and amen. All the promises of God are delivered in the blood of Jesus Christ. He fulfilled every promise for you and me. All who are called by his name and by that sacred, beautiful name. Number two. Number one was remember the promises or the covenant of God. Number two, he causes the people to make a decisive commitment. He said, well, wait a minute. We're the people of God. We love the Lord. We've been following you all these years. How can you challenge us? In verse 14 and 15, he says, choose. 15, he says, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. And then in verse 16, the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Yeah, they got the message. All the preachers are going, yeah, man, it was, I preached a good message, man. It must have been my homiletics, you know. And, and they were like, yeah, they, they responded to the message. But Joshua, he looks at him and he says, no. Mm -mm. You are not able to serve the Lord. Well, now, Joshua, man, that's a downer. You, you, got, you preached us up, man. We were like, well, yeah, we're with you. You know, you serve the Lord, yeah. And Joshua comes forward, no. No. You're not able to serve the Lord. What? That's not, that's not what the preacher's there to do, right? But he says, very honestly, he asked the people, which God will you serve? He asked them to be clear about it. Which God you want to serve? And then they respond and they said, yeah, yeah, we want to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. You could choose all these other choices, but no, we want to serve the Lord. But then he tells them, no, 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 you can't. You're not able to. You know why? Because he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He even goes this far to say in verse 19, he will not forgive your rebellion 
and your sins. Well, that kind of goes against everything I've been told about God. I mean, forgiving God, right? He's able to forgive. He's able to cleanse all the things that I've ever done and, and all the atrocities and all the sins. He's able to forgive. He says, pretty difficult to forgive while you're continuing to do that. There's such a thing called repentance. He says, you want to serve God on your terms. No. That's one of those other gods over there. Maybe you want to go back to those Amorite gods. Or maybe you want to go back to the gods that Abraham served back in the old country on the other side of the Euphrates River. Maybe you want to go back and serve that God. But this God, Joshua says, no. You can't serve him like that. No, he's a holy God and he's a jealous God. Now, I don't remember her name, but uh, one of these Hollywood starlets, when she found out that the Bible talks about God as a jealous God, she says, no, I don't want nothing to do with that God. A God that's jealous, or, you know, no understanding of the scripture. God's not gonna share you with anybody any more than a man would want to allow anybody else to be with his wife. That's a good jealousy. That's a holy jealousy. He says, no. You're not going to serve God the way you think you want to serve him. No. Joshua brings him in a little bit deeper. He brings him in deeper. He says, you're not going to bring in all that other stuff because you know what? You've picked up stuff along the way. All these other people and all these other tribes and all these Amorites back at your place, you still got some of these little idols back there on your mantle that you've been picking up along the way. You got a little thing over here and a little thing over there. You want to bring that along. And you think you're going to serve a God who's holy, righteous, a jealous God. God says, no, you will have no other gods before me. So Joshua sets them straight. He sets the record straight. Know who it is that you're serving. Know who it is that's called you. You want to serve God and him alone? No. Boy, that got their attention. And in verse 21, actually in 20, he says, If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you. And after he has been good to you, and then in verse 20, 21, but the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. He brought them in. He says, no, that level of commitment you were giving, that promise, it's not good enough. You want to separate. You want to let go of those things that are hindering your walk with God. What are we talking about? Make a commitment to the Lord and know the God that you're making a commitment to. What other gods do you have before him? Is it the God of self? About me? About my pleasure? About my success? Or maybe you have a God that's another person in your life. Somebody else that you have to serve. Somebody that's more important. And that you have to make sure above all else that that person is served. 
And pleasing a person has taken the place of pleasing God. So the question becomes not what is pleasing to God, but what is pleasing to this person. And it is hindering. It is hindering our walk of faith. Beloved, I know that there's things that come along the way that gets in our path and messes up our walk with God. Why? Because we're human. And it's so easy to pick up these idols along the way. So he reminds the people to remember the promises of the covenant. And then he encourages them, make a decisive commitment to the Lord your God. And then thirdly, he says, throw out your idols. If you want to serve the Lord and you want to maintain a passionate uh, walk of faith with God, you've got to throw out those idols, those things that are above God. Joshua tells the people in verse 23, he says, Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. He reminds them, you want to follow God, you want to serve him. And remember, this is an important thing that Joshua is speaking to them. At this stage in his life, he is close to 110 years old. He's seen it all. He's gone through a lot. And I love remembering this life of Joshua, where in the beginning of Joshua, the word of the Lord comes to him and he says, Be strong, Joshua. Be of good courage, Joshua. Be strong, Joshua. Be of good courage, Joshua. Be strong. Be of good courage. Be strong. Be of, because he knew that he was going to be facing a lot of difficulties, a lot of hardship, a lot of challenges. He says, be strong. And we see this faithful man of God and serving the Lord for all these years at about 110 years of age. He's been strong. Hallelujah. And he's been courageous. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so he gets this tremendous response from the people, takes them deeper, and he reminds them, if you want to follow and serve the Lord, you're going to have to throw away those idols. Anything that's above, anything that's tempting you. You mean those movies that are not edifying to the soul, that music that's bringing you down. Those things that you look at that is lustful to the eyes. Oh, am I meddling now? Huh? Well, it's, it's challenging being a human. It really is. Especially in this society. And finally, I want to close with this fourth one. And it goes along with our our theme for this month of, of fellowship. Number four, he says, hold each other accountable. I love that. Hold each other accountable. In verse 22, if you have it, take a look. Then Joshua said, okay, so you say you want to serve the Lord? Ah, okay. And they say, yes, we want to serve the Lord. So Joshua says, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Whoa. 
That's pretty powerful. And they agreed. Yes. We are witnesses, they replied. What's going on here? There's witnesses to the promise being kept. The, the thing that we realize in our society that something like this is when we go to a wedding and we go to a marriage ceremony and we see the, the couple look at each other and they just are in love. And it's a beautiful thing. And the preacher has them exchange vows. And they make promises. And there's a whole bunch of people, usually, who come. And yes, they're thinking about the nice dinner that they might have later on. And a piece of cake. All for free, of course. Hopefully they brought a nice gift. But they're serving a purpose. They're serving a purpose to be a witness. For when that man says, I do, and that woman says, I do, he's really saying, I will. And she's saying, I will. In sickness, yes. In poverty, sometimes. In the good and in the bad, I will and I do. And so the witnesses later on, when the guy says, you know what, 10 years, 15 years down the road, he says, you know what? This ain't working out like I thought it was going to work out. He says, I want to check out of this. And that's when the witnesses come in and say, hey, wait a minute. Weren't you the guy who said, like, uh, you know, in the good and the bad and the poverty, the sickness and all of it? Well, yeah. You know, I was there. I, 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 I remember you saying that. You made a commitment. Yeah, but you don't know how it is. Like, Wait a minute. Is it, is it rough? Is it bad right now? Oh, yeah, it's really bad. Well, what part of that promise did you not mean? You said you were going to keep the promise and all the bad and all that. You know, it's like it comes with the program. Hey, man, I've been married for 37 years. I know what I'm talking about. You get it all. Hello, somebody. Anybody been married for a while? All right, then. We can have our fellowship group after the service. We'll meet in the back. We'll cry together. We'll grieve. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm very happily married, I want you to know. But in the ancient time, this covenant promise, it meant something. It meant something, and especially when there was witnesses, it meant something. It meant something. Hold each other accountable. Am I past my time? Let me wrap it up. I'm just warming up. But anyhow, let me just wrap it up by saying, I've been in situations in all, in all seriousness where I have come and I've been used of God to remind certain individuals about their covenant when I saw them going off track. And in some cases... They listened to me. And God before me, things worked out better as they continued down the road. Not because of me, but because they decided to, they were going to keep their covenant promise with God. And in other situations, I've seen others who say, no, I'm going to do my own thing, my own way, and they want to follow after another God. Okay, you can do that. Didn't turn out well, in all honesty. 
And I won't go into details, but it did not turn out well. But we are called to help each other to keep and remember to keep that covenant promise. So Joshua, in verse 25, he brings the people back into covenant and, in a sense, a renewal. So Shechem was a place of a calling, and Shechem was a place of a renewal to a commitment of a covenant with God. And on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people, and there at Shechem, he drew up for them decrees and laws, and Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. And then he took a large stone, and he set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. We need those things as remembrances, to remember the promise of God, that promise that God made for us, on us, and the commitment that we made before the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to join me. Thank you. And we're going to pray right now. And my hope and prayer is that something has been stirred within you that you would think about the seriousness of the calling of God on your life. And how it is that God wants to use you over whatever remaining years of life you may have. You know, we, we don't know. God may give us 110 years. We don't know. But I know that you, as a true believer in God, you want to be faithful to the Lord, and you want to be used of God the most effectively as you can. You don't want to be remembered for the treasures you kept behind, but you want to be remembered for the treasures that you released while you were here on this planet, and that God used you as a channel, as a channel to release, to release, to release. Many people in captivity, many people struggling. The world needs true believers. The world needs the church to be the church. And nobody else is going to carry the message but the people of God. So we're going to pray right now. As a matter of fact, just where you are, would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you. We pause this moment to remember you. Thank you for the word of God. And Lord, we ask right now that you would bring to our remembrance those things that may not be pleasing, those things that have come upon us that we are carrying around that is hindering our walk of faith. And I pray, God, that you would remember us and help us. We so desperately need you, Lord. And as the song said earlier, we cry out to you, O God. And Lord, our heart yearns for you. Our spirit man knows it needs you. And Lord, even at this very moment, I pray that you touch us, O oh God, with a renewal of faith, with a renewal of strength, and that we would remember and be refreshed with a spiritual vitality, O oh God, once again, that we so desperately need, Lord. 
to walk in this day. And so, Lord, I ask that you move upon your congregation, that you move upon every man, woman, every young person, every older person. And just as Joshua called the people to a renewal of their faith, O oh God, and a renewal of their commitment, that we would remember, Lord, the God that we serve, and to be an example in our home, in our family, in our city, in our communities, that we could stand up and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand with me tonight. And if God has moved in your heart in any way, the altars are open as we minister in song. And I pray that you would refresh yourselves in the spirit of the living God tonight. Let God move in your heart. Let God move in your mind. Let God move in your soul. Refresh in the spirit of the living God here tonight. Let God be God in your life. Be refreshed. Be renewed. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord. Yes, oh God. Have your way, oh God. We need you, Lord Jesus. We need your strength, oh God. We need your power, Lord. We need your anointing, oh God. Move by your power, God. Heal our minds, O oh God. Strengthen our inner being right now, Lord. O oh God, we need you for the battle. Rebuke the demonic spirits from our lives. Rebuke every evil thing, O oh God. Strengthen us, O oh God. Even though our hands or our knees or our legs may be weak, your spirit is great, O oh God. Refresh your people by your power. Strengthen us by your anointing, God. And loose your power. The power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Be loosed in this place right now, O oh God. Yes, Lord. Have your way in our lives, O oh God. And forgive us, O oh God, for those things we've done that are wrong. For our trespasses, O oh God. For our sin that is great before you, O oh God. Forgive us, O oh God. Cleanse us, Lord. Cleanse our minds. Cleanse our hearts. Refresh and renew our spirits, O God. Cause us to be the people of God, needing not to be ashamed, O Lord. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Yes, God, have your way in our lives. Have your way in our homes. In our marriages, O God. Have your way with our children, Lord. Oh, Lord, have your way in our families, oh, God. Return us to that place that we need to be, oh, God. Refresh us once again, Lord. Help us to remember who we are. Help us to remember the cross and the blood you shed on Calvary's cross, oh, God. For us, that we could be cleansed, that we could be redeemed, that we could be made new again. And we could be revived in the spirit of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord God. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Lord God. Help us, oh God. We call upon you, Lord. We call upon you, Father. In Jesus' holy name, Lord. Move upon your people, oh God. In Jesus' name, Lord. Renew our homes, oh God. Renew our families, oh God. By your power. And by your strength, O oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, God is moving in this place right now. He's taking away those things that are not pleasing. He's taking away those things, those regrets of the past. They're being removed from you right now. He's taking away those things that you regret.